0: welcome to in the elements the super tornado outbreak of April 3rd and 4th, 1974 has left a lasting impression in many people's minds. There were a total of 148 tornadoes that touched down across 13 states, from the deep south all the way up to the Great Lakes region. Of these 148 tornadoes, 30 were rated F4 or F5, which means wind speeds greater than 166 miles per hour. One of the most violent F5 tornadoes, with winds over 200 miles per hour, tore through a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio, where Kim Cunningham lived as a child. That tornado was the deadliest tornado from that outbreak and remains in the top 10 most costly tornadoes to this day. To say it left an impression on Kim is an understatement, and she's able to describe that day with an astonishing clarity you want to just start at the beginning, you know, where your your weather intrigue and interest in being a meteorologist was really
1: triggered? Uh, The first, you know, memory I have of a tornado actually is from The Wizard of Oz. And I just remember probably around five years old or so that I couldn't wait every year to see it because it was only on one time a year back then. And I couldn't wait to see the tornado because I just had never in my life, well, I was only five at the time, but even knew there was anything that could happen like that. So I was very intrigued by the tornado. And, uh, and it was probably you know, maybe about six years later that the 74 outbreak happened. But in between then, you know, I was looking at books, you know, just trying to find out about tornadoes and, you know, just trying to see what I can learn about tornadoes and just very intrigued by them. But it was um, April 3rd, 1974. I remember going to school that morning, and it was raining. I, mean, I remember this day like it was yesterday, and that was a long time ago. But it was raining that morning, and it was warm. And I got home from school that day. We had breaks off and on with sunshine, and the cloud up again gets more rain in there. And I remember when I got home, my mom said, "You just kind of stay close because you know we're seeing there could be some severe weather, maybe even tornadoes. You know, we've had a couple warnings off and on." And I remember saying, OK, so my brother and I went outside. We went down the street and played basketball with a neighbor of ours. And all of a sudden, the sirens went off. And it wasn't the typical, you know, fire truck sirens or police sirens. It was one that I just remember hearing for air raids, you know, because back then we were still doing air raid um Uh, they were doing the air raids and you'd have to go to shelters and things like that back, you know, when I was a lot younger. So I remember hearing the air raid sirens and i and saying to my brother and to Greg, my neighbor, and I said, you know, something's going on. I don't know. I don't, this siren is not right. And so it started raining a little bit. And so all of a sudden I hear my mom calling for us to come home. So, you know, we started running home And I remember this like yesterday, looking up at the sky as I'm running home. My mom's property, my mom and dad's property, um, there's one leg of a high-tension tower on her property. And as I was running towards home, I remember looking up and seeing clouds moving in different directions. And I'd never seen anything like that before. And I thought, that's really weird. That's really cool looking. I mean, I could see, you know... The low clouds moving one direction, the next layer moving a different direction. And I could hear the sound of what I know now to be the low-level jet kind of screaming through the high-tension towers and the wires. You just hear that hum. And it was just really creepy. So when I got home and you know, my mom said, there's a tornado warning, um, but we're going to eat really fast <laughs> before we do anything. And back then, you, of course, you're listening to the radio because you know I think there was one TV station that covered it but um mom said they actually spotted a tornado um it was um, near the river which is about 10 miles from our house and she had already made dinner She says hurry up and eat we'll listen to the radio my dad had the map out trying to track where it was and noticing it was getting closer and closer as they were calling out where it was being spotted so we ate and my brother said well i'm gonna go out and look and so he got up and went out to the front porch And said, you guys, come here and look. And we went out there. And sure enough, the way our porch is situated, it faces west, which is we have a beautiful view from my mom's, my own dad's house. And it's kind of in a valley and a farm. And you you could see probably no problem at all with no obstruction for at least five miles or so or 10 miles. And so we look and sure enough, we see it now before that, let me go back and say that we had hail the size of baseballs and softballs before that happened, and it was it was like you hear a thump, thump, thump. I mean, it wasn't you know, like small hail just falls and it sounds like it's just a shower, and you're hearing you know heavy stones hitting the ground. But this was a thump, and then like ten seconds later, another thump. And sure enough, we went out there and it looks like polka dots in the grass. So at that moment we knew there was, you know, it was it was getting pretty rough. And then my brother went out there and saw the tornado. He told us to come outside. We went on the deck and we looked and we saw this. It was sunny, by the way. The sun was out. And and then you've got the tornado off to the southwest. And it was of course, I didn't know what a supercell was, but I mean that's what I was looking at at the time. I thought that was the it was incredible that there was sunshine and there weren't many clouds over us, but yet you've got this supercell over there in the southwest part of the sky. And so we watched it and we were mesmerized. I mean, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I was, my adrenaline was going crazy. I was so excited, but I was scared. I couldn't believe I was actually seeing a tornado, the one I'd seen on, you know, Wizard of Oz. You know, this was really happening here in Cincinnati. And My dad said, get to the basement. It's coming towards us. And it was at that point, it was probably about two miles away. So we all ran down to the basement. We had a storm shelter. It was an old um, cistern um, that my dad actually knocked out the cinder block and made it into a storm cellar. So we ran down there and we held hands and we cried and we prayed and we could hear it. And then all of a sudden it got quiet. And we sat there for a minute, like, okay, I guess, you know, the house is still here. Nothing's caving in on us. We're okay. My mom said, I'll be right back. My mom, she's so brave. She gets up, she leaves for a few minutes. She comes back and says, Come here. I want you all to see this. So we went outside in the backyard and we could watch it dissipate over on West Fork Road. And it's exactly what they said that you see in a tornado. It looks like birds flying around the tornado. And it was all this debris that was flying out of the tornado and dropping all over. So we had a lot of debris in our yard. We had um, siding, uh, a lot of um, checks, canceled checks from Sailor Park. That's where the F-5 actually hit down there in Sailor Park. There were a lot of things we found from 10 miles away in our yard. And so we collected all that stuff the next day. But anyway, so we watched it dissipate and it roped out. And it was just um, it was just incredible and the sun was out the whole time. it was just it was nuts absolutely crazy. So I was I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. then we went in and we had lost power at 545 and then later on power came on probably about 10 or 11 that night um, in our area and then we started to see what was going on elsewhere finding out about Xenia and Xenia got hit about an hour before we did. And it's just absolutely devastated, as you all know uh, about Xenia. So, you know, we were actually very lucky, um, but there was damage, I would say, a mile and a half from our house. And then, you know, as it dissipated, and then before it got to us about as a crow flies, maybe a mile and a half to two miles away, where it did do F3 and F4 damage. But it missed us to the north and west. So we were very lucky. Um, my aunt drove us down to Sailor Park where the F5 damage was, and we got to see some of the damage and um, some of the slabs and just just could not believe it did this. Now, this tornado, which was crazy, this tornado actually was a tri-state tornado. It started in Indiana, crossed the Ohio River into Kentucky, then crossed the river again into Ohio traveled up the west side of Cincinnati, which is very hilly. And of course there was that myth, oh tornadoes don't, you know, back then you open your windows or tornadoes don't travel, you know, through hilly areas or mountains. And and that just blew that right out of the water. But at that moment, I knew I wanted to study these things. I want to learn about tornadoes. I want to find out how these things happen. I have never felt that adrenaline in my life and never felt that much excitement and just in awe of what these things could do. So from that moment forward, I collected every piece of newspaper article, every magazine, everything about the Cincinnati tornado. And putting it all together, I realized that it was not just Cincinnati and Xenia, that it was actually this huge outbreak that happened you know, over 13 states. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And realizing that, wow, this is something that could be a a career for someone, that you could study these things, that you could actually learn to forecast these things. So I became obsessed actually with tornadoes and with weather. And I, I researched and got every book I could out of the library, especially Hurricanes and Twisters. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that book from a long time ago. but And so I realized there's not just tornadoes, but there's hurricanes. So that's how I got started and I thought I want to study tornadoes I want to do research in tornadoes but eventually that's not what happened I ended up you know Air Force and then the weather channel so it kind of went a different career path however my interest is still there So, how did that impact
0: your path moving forward in terms of your career and you know what you chose to go to for college and you said Air Force so obviously there's you know some impact to the decisions that you made for your future
1: yes the was interesting back then, we're talking about in the seventies where, you know, you you know, I'm reading encyclopedias, you know, trying to find out about weather, because that's that's what we had back then. And any book I looked at, there were really no women. The, The the three local TV guys were were guys, were men. And but I was determined, I'm like, I am going to be a meteorologist. That's all there is to it. So I wrote to them, I wrote to the three on camera meteorologists in Cincinnati, and and Mike Fenwick was the only one that wrote me back. And I always wonder if the other ones would have wrote me back if my, my life would have been very different, my career would have been different. Because he wrote back and said, I got my training in the Air Force. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And so I'm researching, trying to find out what colleges even offer meteorology. And there weren't many, like Penn State, and some of the ones are I think wasn't anything really close and I knew I couldn't afford it. So my parents couldn't afford it either. So I thought, you know what, maybe I should do this. I get to travel. And so I joined the Air Force after I got out of high school. So I kind of had a plan. I knew and he also recommended that I take all the science and math courses that I could in high school. So I did. And so then I went in the Air Force and I couldn't get into meteorology immediately. I, I could cross train once I was in three years. So I cross-trained after three years and went to observing school and then uh, was stationed over in, um, let's see, where was I first stationed, Um, Luke Air Force Base. And that was an experience learning the monsoon, learning, you know, the desert weather and just, you know, haboobs, all those things, just an incredible experience there. And I was a forecaster apprentice. Then I went to forecasting school. And from there, went to Global Weather Central in uh, off at Air Force Base in, in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. And that's where really my career took off, I think, at that point, because I started out in the tropical section, learning all about hurricanes and and specializing in that and going to schools and things to learn about forecasting hurricanes. And then, but their severe weather section was across the way at Global Weather Central. And I thought, that's where I want to be. That's where my heart is. My heart is in severe weather and tornadoes and and, uh, thunderstorms. So I would hang out over there with the guys after I was done with my shift. I'd go over there and hang out with them and try to learn from them. And they took me under their wing. And so eventually when an opening came up, they asked me if I wanted to come over there and work. And so I transferred over to the severe weather section not knowing that I was the first woman to ever have done that. There's never been a woman that worked in the severe weather section. So I was the first woman over there. And so we did point warnings for all the Air Force bases, um, letting them know know if severe storms were heading towards, they could put the planes up, get people off the runway. But we also did similar to what the Storm Prediction Center does, and that's put out an outlook, a three-day outlook for severe storms. So that was great. We did, you know, lightning data was just coming into fruition at the time. And we were starting to do research on that. It was just really a cool thing. The Weather Channel had just come into being a few years prior. And I had finally gotten cable. And the only reason I got cable was so I could watch the Weather Channel. And I thought, that is a cool place. My God, for anybody that loves weather, this is, this has got to be the best place in the world to ever work 24-7 weather. So I sent a resume there, really not thinking they'd be interested. i really I really didn't think that I thought, oh, everybody probably wants to work there. You know, chances are I won't get it. But they called me and said, "You know we want to come in for an interview." So I went there and it was a great fit because you know the two the two people that would hire me were ex Air Force. <laughs> so I kind of had it in a little bit with them. so they they offered me the job, but they said they needed me like yesterday and I was still in the air force. I still had like three months left in the air force and uh, I had to make a decision about staying in or not. And so they actually contacted the weather channel, contacted my um, commander and told them the situation. And at that time they were actually letting people out early if they wanted it, trying to downsize the military. So they actually let me out early so I can go to the weather channel. And so that's where I, you know, started the Weather Channel. Was there for almost, you know, close to twenty five years, and worked behind the scenes for six years. And then I thought, okay, I'm ready for a change. And so I started, um, like, an internship or apprenticeship program for on camera. They asked me if I wanted to be, you know, an on camera person, you know, communicating the weather. And I thought, you know, that sounds really cool too. Kim ended up spending 25 incredible years at the Weather Channel.
0: She is now a freelance meteorologist, communication coach, and podcast host. It was the evening of June 23rd, 2004, and a deepening low-pressure system had entered the state of Wisconsin, dragging behind it a cold front. Along this cold front, thunderstorms formed into a bow echo west of the area and then intensified and became tornadic as they moved farther east along a warm front. Five tornadoes formed over central Wisconsin and the Fox Valley during these evening hours, one passing very close to where Phil was working. Phil recalls the events of that day and how seeing that tornado solidified his interest in the weather, an interest that would eventually combine with his love for podcasts and result in the development of Stormfront Freaks podcast.
2: It was, uh, it was actually, it was June 23rd, and it, it, was, it was interesting because I was actually, at the time I was working, and we had an office, uh, I had a business at the time, and we had an office that was kind of located in somewhat of an industrial park, and so it was kind of a, a bizarre place f- for an office, but it was a brick office building, single-story and it was a, a particular day that, in all honesty, going into it, I don't recall um, remembering that it was going to be any kind of a high-risk, severe weather day necessarily. But this was obviously before I really got got into storms and and weather. And, and I was sitting there, and I did have, in the background, I did have my my FM radio was on in my office. And I was meeting with uh, a young gentleman that, that I was in the process of training for our business. And we were just talking and I was going through some things and, and a, a few times, I don't know, maybe an hour, a few times in this hour, I heard the the good old uh, emergency alert, you know, the borderline fax, old fax machine sound uh, going off in the background. And, and so I was aware that, okay, there was probably some severe storms coming and so it's actually why I kept the radio on a little bit, but didn't think a whole lot of it uh because at the time the ones that were coming across were just severe thunderstorm warnings uh that were in the area. And in hindsight, it you know, it was this uh bow echo that was coming through the area up in, in north northeast Wisconsin near Green Bay. And we were actually in Kakona, Wisconsin, where we were located. And, uh, all of a sudden we were just talking and all of a sudden the lights flickered in the office, all the lights flickered and I, I just, and they came back on. I just thought oh, that's, that's interesting, but didn't think anything of it. Cause that, you know, can happen in a, a thunderstorm, but I would give it maybe 15 seconds later, the lights went out and they went completely out. And I thought, mm, now that's really interesting. And so I, I got up and the emergency lights were on within the office and I got up, and, and there is a door. There's an exit door facing uh, the west, and it had a had a window, just kind of a single window in the door. And I, I remember going to the window to look outside, and and the skies were were cloudy. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, and obviously it was kind of a gray and, and had a, a storm appearance to it. But what what I obviously noticed was there were sheets of pink insulation, uh, drifting to the ground. And it it was, and there was no wind and and it was falling like a snow on a, on a day that's, it's not windy. And the snow is just lightly falling to the ground. It's just, it was pink insulation. And of course I thought, okay, well, that's, that's really strange. And, but I looked around, I didn't see anything out the window other than the, the insulation falling. And so we walked outside and so, the, the door faced west, and, and I took a left-hand turn to go to the front of the building. The front of the building faced south. I went to the front of the building, and I looked, and this would now be looking east, southeast. And there it was, I would say, 500 yards away was uh, was a tornado. And it was it was a very low-hanging wall, wall cloud. And so, the, the tornado, uh, it wasn't super thick. Thin, but it was so it was so low to the ground um, that it just it didn't have to be. And I would bet maybe I'd give it about twenty seconds. I was watching it for about twenty seconds, um, and it just kind of roped out and disappeared within a short time period. And, and it was just that moment of of oh my god! I'm you know was I looking at it that <laughs> I just see a tornado? And uh, moments later. Sirens were blaring. Police and sheriff were uh, pulling up, blocking off roadways. And from where I was at that point, I couldn't really see any damage anywhere other than this pink insulation falling to the ground. I didn't physically see anything where we were, um, but obviously that that wasn't necessarily the case. We were pretty close uh, to the track of the storm.
0: I can't imagine what my first thought would be if I just saw this insulation floating down after the power had gone out.
2: Yeah, I mean it it was definitely surreal and and I honestly I can't tell you Becky that I thought oh there's got to be a tornado here. I I wasn't thinking that at all. Um I certainly thought it's that's strange and there's got to be some high winds somewhere but it, it wasn't where we were. I mean, here's a tornado that's 500 yards away from us to the to the would be to the east, southeast. And and it wasn't windy. Um it, it, everything was just kind of falling to the ground, I felt, you know, I I didn't feel in danger at all uh, when I looked out front uh, because it kind of was, if anything, moving away, but it certainly wasn't moving towards us. But but it was enough to just know that, you know, I I wasn't really in danger at that point any further.
0: Right. So if you don't mind my asking, how old were you when that happened?
2: Ah, this was so 2004, this is what, 13 years ago. So I would have been early 30s.
0: Okay, so you're so was that the first time that you were really like, wow, the weather is insane, and I need to like learn more about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it. it I had been interested in weather um, for a while, but not interested enough to really pay attention to it and be involved in it. Uh, growing up in Minnesota. Uh, certainly we had, you know, storms and tornadoes and, uh, you know, we would go in the basement. I remember our family, uh, if we were under a tornado warning, going in the basement, my my father would always like to go upstairs to keep an eye on things. And, and we were always kind of interested to want to, you know, follow him and also kind of check it out and see what's going on. So there was always a little bit of an interest there, uh, but it was certainly after that event that my desire to... You know, get into and learn more about weather and take my storm spotting classes. Um, consider, you know, start chasing and being able to read uh, forecasts and models a little bit to understand that better. Uh, it all started from that.
0: Um, and your story is definitely unique in that it wasn't like this childhood event where you were six and there was a hurricane and it scared you. And so right. it's a lot, it's a lot of what we've heard, not, not every story, but that seems to be like the stereotypical. You know weather hook, right? Uh, what, so, how long has your guys' podcast been on? Like, when did you transition this in, interest and fascination into weather podcasting?
2: Um, so we, so we're in our third year now. Um, so we started, uh, geez, what is it, eighteen? So we started in sixteen, and the, really the fascination came only because I had also um, been interested in listening to podcasts. Now, not weather podcasts, just. Other podcasts in general, just because I started finding that it was a great way to listen to things that I wanted to listen to, instead of listening to talk radio and having to listen to what someone else decided I should be listening to, as a great way to listen to the things that interested me and and held my attention. And I just I got to thinking that you know this this might be a neat concept to take something that I'm passionate about and weather and use something that I, I do have a, a, a background in radio uh, in high school and college. Uh, I was on a, a FM radio station for, I'd say maybe three years. Uh, and so we went to as a Ohio state university, their atmospheric science program. They have a weather club up there in Columbus and they held, they, they hold a, a severe weather symposium every year. And it was actually at this severe weather symposium that I was at that, that, where I kind of came up with that brainchild to create the podcast and start a podcast that hopefully would be a little bit more geared towards uh, a less, what I call less sciencey take on weather uh, to be a little bit more entertaining, but also educate, but not be over everybody's heads uh, to maybe draw a different crowd than a couple of the other uh, weather podcasts that were available at the time. They really got into the the science a lot more, which were very interesting and educational. But I thought, you know, for that typical storm spotter or for the person that just is interested in weather and storms and, uh, you know, like you talked about people that get into weather because they had a childhood experience with hurricanes, um, how, how to cater something to them that would be fun uh, would bring some people from the weather industry in, where we could learn more about them, but also do some education in the process.
0: Right. So, how do you feel like your passion for weather and for meteorology has evolved since you've been hosting this podcast?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I, I certainly have learned a lot more. Uh, I've I've gotten into uh, just in the last you know two and a half three years. I've gotten into storm chasing a lot more uh, than I had been, and and a lot more than just locally. Um, a lot of my spotting and chasing has has just had been local to the most part, kind of stay near home and it's, it's extended out quite a bit, but I just partly is because I feel more comfortable and confident in knowing what to look for, um, what to understand. And, and a lot of that Becky has come because of the guests that we have had on and, and the co-hosts that we have in our group, just having that discussion. I've, I've learned so much about weather hosting a podcast in the last three years than I ever did since 2004 and that tornado I first saw and started getting into it you know so that's been a matter of of 12 years of being interested in weather um, but in the last three really learning uh, more about it just because of the people we've had and and the discussions we've had
0: to listen to Phil and Kim on Stormfront Freaks listen to them wherever you get your podcasts
2: that's it for this episode of in the elements if you'd like to hear more of these episodes they're in the feed you're listening to now or you can find them
0: over at theweatherjunkies.com huge thanks to phil and kim for coming on the show if you'd like to join them in sharing stories we're always looking for stories to tell so if you have a story that you want to tell, whether you're in your element at work or in the natural elements, send us an email at in the elements pod at gmail.com or shoot us a tweet at elements pod on Twitter.
2: Tune in to our next episode to listen to more origin stories from various weather podcasts as part of National
0: Weather Podcast Month. For myself and Dakota, thank you for joining us in the elements. Science!